blue. Navarre gives to Perry. Perry through the middle. Touchdown, Michigan! And the Wolverines have won it in overtime. Michigan wins by a score of 27 to 24, and the team storms the field to mob Chris Perry. WCBN Sports, 88.3 FM, Ann Arbor, WCBN.org. Grabs on to attempt it for the Wolverines. Holds her breath, Ann Arbor, as Navarre gets set. Places down, kick is up. It's long enough. It's good! It's good! Michigan wins the game! Michigan shocks Washington, and the Wolverines are victorious! vision of peace and global unity alive with sounds and music from all the cultures of all the people all over the world. If you hear uh, like you think the ones on what do you call it music at the restaurants or on the elevators? That music is destructive. That music if we had good music playing for people in a happy society on the streets, you know? I feel like uh, my music uh, I have a new record coming out. I was like, well, maybe this time they'll hear it. Well, uh, good evening, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley, and my partner Jim Dwyer has uh, trick-or-treating obligations tonight. He lives in a residential neighborhood. And all those children out there dressed as devils and cats and tigers and witches, etc., ghosts, pumpkins, are out seeking candy, trick-or-treating. What a great holiday for the young people in our society. It's uh, always important to uh, think like children sometimes. So uh, we wish uh, Jim well, uh, admiring all those little costumes. Some are very creative and uh, drive slowly in uh, residential neighborhoods because children get very excited on this night. It's kind of like the night before Christmas. Nice that we uh, played the uh, Nixon uh, space uh, cart. Uh, I noticed that... uh, 
Stanley Kubrick's 2001 is playing tonight at the Michigan Theater. And uh, for my treat, after uh, the show, I'm going to dash over there and catch that classic. Because uh, seeing that movie on the big screen is uh, a sensual experience, to say the least. And, uh, well, I'll just leave it at that. Um, obviously, the big news from the week, uh, I would say, was the uh, putative... Uh, Euro deal that uh, was concocted late in the week. Obviously, we joked a little bit about that last week regarding uh, the haircut that was going to be uh, received. We weren't quite sure whether it was going to be a shag, a mullet, a mohawk, or a crew cut. Well, I guess my analysis is it's uh, kind of a bad-looking mullet. Lots of unanswered questions. Uh, but uh, some of the banks and uh, bondholders are taking haircuts, so to speak. And uh, the austerity measures, of course, are still in place. There are still lingering problems regarding uh, sort of regional or, or shall we say sovereign, nation-by-nation uh, nation resentment of how the, uh, the plan uh, will work or will not work. Um, and there are obviously some reasons to be uh, concerned. Uh, for instance, uh, just in a sort of a late-breaking late story today, I heard that a, a large hedge fund named MF Global has declared bankruptcy, and uh, bankruptcy protection means that they are seeking protection from uh, paying their bills, so to speak. Uh, this is a situation in which uh, this company, uh, a hedge fund company, uh, in which one of the partners, uh, interestingly, was uh, former Senator John Corzine of New Jersey. Uh, he was also the governor of New Jersey who lost to Todd Christie. And uh, MF Global uh, bet on uh, euro bonds, thinking that the crisis would be uh, resolved quickly. It was not. There's been a lot of uh, dithering and well, you know, raising your hands and chicken a little and all this. And uh, the uh, delays uh, apparently caused a uh, cash crunch liquidity crisis for this company, and uh, they're not getting bailed out. <laughs> Interesting that the Federal Reserve actually announced that uh, um, they're no longer going to be doing business with MF Global, which means they can't borrow any more money from the Fed. And without knowing all the details of uh, how they bet, uh, this is a classic example of uh, what's wrong with the international finance system where you have uh, companies taking risks, uh, borrowing money, essentially. Uh, they, they use this word in the media called leverage, which is uh, kind of a fancy uh, way of saying they went into debt. They borrowed money to try and make money, and uh, when the bets came up snake eyes, they lost at the crap table. And this, of course, is uh, one of the fundamental problems that uh, the global economy is going to have to address at some point. Uh, there's quite a lot of debt out there. Um, part of the Euro plan is, ironically, as we somewhat predicted, premised on the idea that China, out of some sort of self-interest, is going to help uh, to bail out uh, the uh, situation there. And um, 
the uh, Wall Street Journal has a kind of interesting uh, chart of uh, the haircut. They have a chart showing that Greece is going to take a $48 billion haircut. France is next in line at $9.6 billion. And uh, Germany next at 7.6 billion euros. Um, That's significant. Uh, By the way, the a rough currency transfer there is is uh it's it's almost the identical number it was when obama uh came into office it's about 1.3 uh to 1 the euro in other words a dollar 30 in american money buys a dollar 35 in american money buys 1 euro roughly um, and it's important to keep track of these numbers uh, and, and have an understanding of numbers because uh, one guy that uh, doesn't understand the numbers is Herman Cain. Uh, he's been in the news uh, today, unfortunately, with a uh, sort of uh, sex harassment scandal that may or may not have occurred. There was a settlement. Cain seems to have uh, flubbed um, his... Uh, response to this and it uh, reinforces once again uh, why uh, it's very risky to never have held public office and to run for president and Kane is uh, becoming um, more and more uh, I, I think uh, untenable as a presidential candidate even though he's supposedly leading in the polls in the Republican uh, nomination now why is he leading in the polls just out of curiosity um, people uh, apparently are, are uh, find his uh, sense of humor appealing that's uh, always good that the president can be a bit of a clown uh, in dealing with all of our serious problems um, and of course the 999 thing is uh, admired for its simplicity problem with the 999 thing is uh, the numbers don't add up very well. And Kane has not explained uh, these deficiencies in math that he seems to be experiencing. So once again, we have uh, another presidential uh, possible candidate, uh, similar to uh, George W. Bush, with new math, um, or Ronald Reagan, in which uh, they make claims that uh, cutting taxes will lead to more government revenue. You know, I just kind of briefly looked at the numbers regarding the 999 plan. Uh, Kane's already modified this to 909, apparently, in some cases. He's already hedging his uh, plan, so to speak, and he asserts that he has these numbers. They're apparently available on some website. Uh, Kane doesn't seem to have much of a campaign organization still, and where he's at exactly at in the fundraising is uh, kind of unclear. But I just, for the record, looked up uh, what the government, the federal government, that is, took in in uh, last year in income taxes and corporation taxes. Uh, Numbers here are fascinating because they demonstrate uh, there will be massive deficits under the Kane plan. And by the way, this flat tax idea has been um, put forward to the public before, uh, most famously in uh, recent years by Steve Forbes, son of Malcolm Forbes, uh, managing uh, editor and owner of Forbes magazine, a business publication that, uh, alas, I don't read. But um, I don't think Steve Forbes ever explained the flat tax uh, terribly well. Uh, And it's clearly a value-added tax. Uh, Just for the record, by the way, um, 
And this according to uh, uh, Planet Retail. Uh, retail sales in the United States, total retail sales in the United States, are about $3 trillion. So 9% of that is going to be $270 billion. Uh, the federal government, uh, just for the record, has a has a has a budget of about three and a half trillion, and of course, it's been in deficit uh, for quite a number of years now. Um, briefly under surplus under the Clinton administration, when they raised taxes on the top uh, income people. More on that in a second, because um, it is Halloween, and we like to tell uh, scary stories on Halloween, and. Uh, I uh, missed Eric Cantor. Apparently, he was uh, in town today uh, giving a speech. And uh, to borrow a joke from Steve Martin, comedian, banjo player extraordinaire, all-around good guy, I'm sure that there was a lot of baloney uttered at Eric Cantor's appearance today here on campus. I understand there were some protests. And uh, I put the baloney in my uh, shoes. And to quote Steve Martin, I feel funny. Therefore, I'm funny. I'm sure Eric Cantor wasn't funny. He was probably scary. And he, I'm sure, stuck to the party line and, of course, has uh, denounced, uh, well, he's uh, continuing to uh, attack the Occupy Wall Street folks. More on them in a second. But let's get back to uh, Herman Cain's math problem because uh, he may have run Godfather's Pizza. How well he did that, we don't know. We mentioned last week that his uh, his big idea at Godfather's Pizza apparently was taking the crust and spreading it out a little farther and spreading the items out a little farther on the pizza to make it look like you were getting more pizza for your money. Well, that's, alas, what the 999 program is. Of course, the 999 program may turn out to be the uh, sexual harassment in which uh, Herman Cain didn't quite understand German. Nine, nine, nine. <laughs> we'll let that story uh, develop uh, in upcoming days. Uh, we don't have any breaking information on it, but uh, we do have breaking information on what the actual numbers are from uh, the World Almanac regarding individual income taxes and corporation taxes, in which Herman Cain is, is and, and apparently uh, value-added taxes on retail sales. The total of this whole ball of wax here is uh, on individual income taxes. The number that the government took in is $1.2 trillion. So, once again, uh, 9% of $1.2 trillion is about uh, $110 billion. We just mentioned that the uh, retail... Uh, Revenue would total about $270 billion. Um, corporate taxes, hmm, fascinating. Uh, corporations are always complaining about uh, how much they pay. And it turns out uh, in, uh, from the last year that we actually have numbers, according to the World Almanac, and I'm using the 2010 edition, this is from 2008. So these numbers have gone up a little bit, but not much because... Uh, Guess what? The American economy is growing rather slowly. And we've talked about this before in terms of uh, actual uh, 
you know, the new economic reality of the United States is that every single recession that we've had dating back to the Great Depression, the next round of growth is weaker. Uh, the one exception was the 1990s when Bill Clinton was president and we raised taxes on rich, more well-to-do people, and we only raised them 3%. This was regarded as an onerous burden by... Uh, the GOP and the Fox News Network and Rupert Murdoch's uh, Wall Street Journal and all other sorts of people that are of the conservative persuasion. Uh, but the facts, the historical facts, don't support any of their ideas. Now, interestingly, what's fascinating about corporate taxes between 20, uh, 2007 and 2008 is they actually went down $25 billion dollars. And they went down, obviously, because of the recession, which started in December of 2007 when George Bush was president. We continue to hear assertions that America's in a recession. It's not. It's actually in a recovery. The problem is the recovery is exceedingly weak. And on Thursday, the government published uh, yet again a, a report uh, this is the headline in the Wall Street Journal. I've been reading the Wall Street Journal a little more recently, not buying it, but uh, borrowing a, a, a copy that's recycled. Uh, we do believe in recycling here on Gray Matters from Thursday, in which the stock market went up uh, quite a bit of, quite a bit that day. Uh, it went way up because uh, of the Wall Street, uh, the, uh, the, the so-called Euro deal that uh, we've uh, talked about here briefly that's got a lot of problems. And the headline is, Recession Fears Recede as Economy Grows 2.5%. Then they have a chart uh, that pretty much documents the presidency of Barack Obama, showing that there's actually been growth, weak growth, uh, somewhere between 1.5% uh, and 4%. Um, basically since Barack Obama has been president. Fascinating uh, to examine the actual growth rates in response to the so-called stimulus bill. The stimulus bill is characterized in the media but as a horror story. Didn't work. That's what John McCain says every single time he appears on the Senate floor without his space helmet. John, you got to find that thing. <laughs> Open the hatch doors, Hal. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what, what the numbers actually show is that the stimulus package worked pretty well. Uh, it began not working when it was taken away. And there's this bizarre assertion that keeps popping up that there weren't any tax cuts connected to the stimulus bill. There were. The difference was, instead of giving the American consumers a lump sum of money, which uh, Bush did... Uh, a couple of times during his presidency, you will recall these were characterized as uh, necessary to stimulate growth. Well, they did studies that showed that the lump sums, the $500 or the uh, $1,000 for couples, I think uh, these were doled out in 2002 and one of the other years, possibly 2006. Um, they discovered that about 40% of the people just took the money and put it in the bank. <laughs> So in other words, they were people that didn't need the, the tax cut. They saved the money, uh, which, of course, is good for uh, those individuals that had the ability to just take the money and save it. So what the 
Obama administration did that was slightly different was they took the money out paycheck to paycheck. So instead of getting $500 in one lump sum, you basically got 50 payments of $10. Uh, you probably didn't feel funny uh, with uh, the baloney in your shoes, but you got $10 more in your paycheck under the Obama tax cut. Too small to be really noticeable. And that's why the American people have kind of buy into this argument that they haven't gotten tax cuts under Obama. They have. In fact, the Bush tax cuts were extended two more years. Now, Barack Obama, you can say, well, you know, he shouldn't have done that. Uh, he did it uh, to, to, on a compromise deal. He wanted to extend unemployment insurance, um, the, the, the uh, time frame, which helped, as I seem to remember, two million people. Uh, to keep them afloat. And it's uh, well documented by almost all economists that um, extending unemployment uh, uh, payments in those situations are, is, is one of the best things you can do for the economy because it, it, it is stimulative. It, 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 it's, the money is spent. It's not saved because people still have to buy food. They still have to pay rent, et cetera, et cetera. Now, last week, Obama was in Nevada, and he uh, unveiled a very modest mortgage uh, relief program that he's uh, basically undertaking uh, unilaterally. He's not getting any cooperation from Congress on the jobs bill. Well, I don't know if Eric Cantor answered any questions in that regard today, but uh, let's face it, they're, they're not going to pass a jobs bill to help Barack Obama. Mitch McConnell's the one who says his main job is to make sure that he's defeated. But while they're dithering, and of course the Europeans uh, were dithering for uh, uh, a year and a half here with the, uh, the um, uh, bailout uh, package, uh, the uh, rescue fund, and how that was going to work itself out, um, the Greek economy continued to unravel and get worse and the austerity measures in Greece were not working and of course the Germans uh, in, in regard to the euro bailout are and even poorer countries than uh, Greece uh, resent the fact that they're being asked to uh, bail out uh, the prolificacy and the inefficiency of the Greek economy in terms of collecting taxes focus now is unfortunately moving on to uh, Italy and what we know historically about Greece here is that Greece basically cooked the books to get into the euro. They weren't uh, adding up their numbers. So once again, even the Wall Street Journal has to say good, not great, regarding the uh, 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 American economy. And uh, you can see from the chart that we're not in a recession. Growth is just simply weak. Uh, consumer spending went up. Um, they have a rather remarkable figure here about um, uh, spending on technology that went up substantially in the third quarter. Uh, it says non-residential fixed investment, a measure of business spending, rose 16.3% last quarter after rising 10.3% in the second quarter. Another positive sign for U.S. businesses. Exports rose 4%. So we hear tons and tons of negative num uh, information about the economy, and certainly the economy is weak. When Barack Obama was in Nevada uh, offering this very modest uh, unilateral uh, executive order in which he's uh, 
providing some mortgage relief for uh, people that are underwater. It simply underscored once again the problem with Nevada. Nevada has the the, the highest uh, unemployment uh, in the United States today, uh, ranked by state. Now, what is why did Nevada? Why do they have these problems? Well, they have these problems because they overbuilt in response to what's their main industry? Tourism, gambling. People are not flying to Vegas like they used to, particularly when there's gambling available in all these other states. Gambling's been used by all sorts of uh, snake oil salesmen around the country over the last 20 years to, um, quote-unquote, create jobs, to, uh, quote-unquote, enhance um, revenue for our government. Remember that for a while, the only two places you could gamble in the United States were uh, Nevada and, ironically, New Jersey, uh, Atlantic City. That's why Donald Trump is uh, famous. But Donald Trump has had to be bailed out himself a number of times. And this problem that we have, once again, globally with the capitalist system, is that some entities are too big to fail. A failure of a certain financial entity would cause too much damage to the economy. This is why the TARP uh, became a necessary evil back in 2008. Um, interesting, it says percentage of this from a Harper's Index, a recent Harper's Index, uh, percentage of uh, $46 billion allocated by TARP to help homeowners refinance that's been used for that purpose. 4.3%. Don't quite understand why more people aren't taking advantage of that money. They have some other interesting items here regarding uh, finances. Um Percentage of mortgage interest deduction recipients. This is basically the, uh, the, the middle class, the American people, who say they have not used a government social program, 60%. Of federal student loan recipients, 53%. Of food stamp recipients, 25%. Boy, that is remarkable denial. Those are... Uh, government social programs that uh, presumably help people. Um, I guess that it, they help them uh, with housing, uh, going to school, and uh, eating. Uh, and yet, uh, 60% of the Americans uh, who've used the program, which is pretty much everybody that's got a mortgage, because uh, it's deductible under the federal tax law, that may change, by the way, uh, claim that they have not used a federal social program. Sketty. Now, what is really scary, of course, one very good development uh, in recent uh, in recent uh, weeks here in Ann Arbor is the appearance of the Onion magazine, available free all around the uh, uh, the city, uh, including some retail outlets. And uh, the Onion, of course, is a satirical magazine. But a couple of weeks ago, in the October 20th edition, they on the front page, they have this item, which, of course, is meant to be satire. But uh, it's interesting how humor sometimes actually tells the real story. It says, nation waiting for protesters to clearly articulate demands before ignoring them. This, of course, refers to the Occupy Wall Street, dated New York. 
As the Occupy Wall Street protest expands and grows into a nationwide movement, Americans are eagerly awaiting a list of demands from the group so that they can systematically disregard them and continue going about their business, Poll showed last week. Quote, the protesters need to unify around a shared agenda with precise policy goals so that I can begin paying no attention to them whatsoever, said uh, a Tulsa, Oklahoma poll respondent, Kay Petronius, echoing the thoughts of millions across the country. Quote, if they don't have a clear power structure organized around specific demands first, then I'll never be able to completely tune them out due to the political conflict of interest or an inability to comprehend complex, detailed economic concepts. These people really need to get their act together, unquote. Once Occupy Wall Street has a concrete set of objectives in place, the majority of Americans said they would go back to waiting for the sluggish economy to recover while blindly accepting things the way they are. Satire. But it tells the real story, doesn't it? Um... Who's responsible for the, uh, the morons that uh, run our, our government, Congress, <laughs> um, who elected them, who didn't elect them? You know, it's fascinating to look at the uh, voting numbers from uh, lower-income people. Fascinating article in yesterday's uh, New York Times by Eduardo Porter. Uh, he's been reporting on economic uh, matters for years, one of these guys that has a very good historical perspective, and he does a, quote, deconstruction. He says, Wall Street protesters hit the bullseye. And, of course, the thing that's interesting about the media coverage about the Wall Street uh, uh, protesters at this point um, is that, uh, you know, it's more than 99%. Quite true, quite true. But, of course, what the media is interested in is the conflict, the violence, the protesters that are getting arrested, the protesters that won't move. And, of course, in recent weeks, I've noticed they accompany every story with how much money it's costing the police in overtime. And my question is, what on earth are the police even doing there? <laughs> if they're not breaking the law, uh, leave well enough alone. It's sort of like the party patrol around here in uh, Ann Arbor on weekend nights. I don't quite understand why the uh, Ann Arbor police, their finest, and uh, yes, we need the police from now, uh, from time to time, you don't quite understand why they're so worried about college kids that are walking across the street, possibly with open containers from party to party. They're on foot. Leave them alone. Work on some real problems in the world. Uh, and the overtime that's being expended in some of these cities is completely pointless. I don't understand why the police need to be there. Leave well enough alone. Well, Eduardo Porter, in his interesting analysis... Um, and, of course, the real villain of the financial crisis, to quote a uh, April 27th, 2010 edition of, by Bethany McLean, contributing editor to Vanity Fair, and I think one of the finest uh, reporters and uh, writers on the economic catastrophe uh, known as the Bush administration. She goes into the details about the, a lot of the problems, the fundamental structural regulation problem, and she points out that it was Congress that created virtually all of these problems with their uh, deregulation and their unwillingness to um, enforce laws. Some 
some of these regulations, quite frankly, were on the books. But when you have a moron like Christopher Cox in charge of the SEC, he's a kind of a resume uh, type of guy, former member of Congress. He was he was the guy in charge of the SEC during the uh, financial crisis. You know what? He didn't have a clue about what to do. Um, 